With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Love Talk Radio.
welcome to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting knowledge that is engaging and transforming. We're empowering our listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You're welcome to join with us in this illuminating journey. You can follow us in, on Twitter. We're on Twitter. You can join us on Facebook. Uh, you can call in on our number, 917-388-4293. We're on the live chat room on blogtalkradio.com. Um, if I miss anything, <laughs> let me know. Uh, yeah, you can send us emails, ltneilatcox.net. Anywhere you want to, you can join in on the conversation. We'd love to have you with us today. We're excited for another day. Man, I've been saying it over and over. Time is moving by so fast, so, so, so fast. Uh, say a quick prayer. We're going to say a quick prayer, and then we get ready to go into the rest of our program today. Father, we just want to thank you. It's because of your grace and mercy that we are here. Your compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Your loving kindness is better than life, and we just thank you for it. We pray, God, that you would bless us as we go forth in the rest of this broadcast. Illuminate our hearts and minds. Pick our souls through your word, revelation, and all that you have for us. And, of course, help our senses be exercised to discern good and evil. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I had a great weekend, and I hope you did, too. I had a chance to get some much-needed rest after a somewhat busy and productive week. Um, I, I, I... had the opportunity to say a final goodbye to a very brother, very loving brother in Christ, uh, Brother Robert Marks, who passed away last week. And I don't know if I shared I can't remember if I shared it in the broadcast, not last week, but we were at a meeting, uh, church service on Saturday morning, and he was lively and interactive, laughing, joking. He and I sat and had a meal, and I had to leave to go to a, a funeral in another part of the state. And that was my last time seeing him. He went to church Sunday morning. He taught his Sunday school class, and he was going to the church office to make copies, and the Lord called him home in the church office. And we celebrated his life this week and um, his homegoing service. And uh, uh, So it was just, you know, it's a sad occasion, but uh, the Bible says that uh, those who die in the Lord are blessed. And it's cherished, you know, it's a wonderful thing And it should be one of our anticipations You know, not to commit suicide or anything like that But to know that those of us who are believers in Christ That uh, this world is not our home We have a house that's not made by the hands of man And that when we go here, we do have an expected place We have an expected end And that is what gives us comfort So it doesn't matter what we go through We know that what we end up in is a lot better So, you know uh, glad to have done that. And Saturday, our church celebrated its friends and family day. We had a wonderful time. I preached a message uh, for that service uh, called uh, Victory Through the Faith of Family and Friends. And it was interesting because uh, a lot of people come to Christ uh, through friends, through the faith of friends, through a particular family. You know, we all join church because either you you know you were forced to or you know your family was faithful in the church and you ended up joining but uh it, it there was a young man who came to the service who was who was had been going through a lot and the message ended up blessing him and I, you know I I just love it when whenever I say something it's a blessing to people 
especially when uh, you know, especially when it's due to preach word of God. So we had a great, great thing, great weekend, uh, and I'm glad that it's Monday. Some of you may not be, but hey, it's the start of the week. It's almost the end of August, going into September, and I'm ready for some football to start. But that's a whole different thing. I'll share a little bit of news. Uh, over the weekend, uh, there was a volcano in Indonesia, uh, and I don't know how to say it. I'm gonna say it, I think I said right, Mount Cinnabog. Cinnabong, Cinnabong, I don't know. Uh, but it was had been dormant for 400 years. It hadn't erupted to, since the 1600s. And all of a sudden on Sunday, it erupted. Nobody expected it. Nobody knew what to do. And it, um, it sent ash, hot ash, more than a mile into the air and forced about 30,000 people to uh, evacuate from their homes and, and the villages just surrounding the mountain, the volcano. And at least the scientists could admit they were not expecting it. Um, and it, it erupted again this morning. That was more powerful eruption this morning than it was yesterday. And uh, the scientists admitted they did not know. Uh, they weren't expecting it. They hadn't been tracking it because they didn't. You know, they thought it was dormant, and so um, they didn't. Do anything. Uh, now they're kind of caught off guard, and they're trying to figure out how to, you know, how to track it and the erupting pattern and all that. And uh, you know, look, we, if we, if you don't believe that we're living in end times, then you know, this is one of the signs. Just think about it. Think about all the uh, natural disasters that just happened in the past eight months across the world: earthquakes, tornadoes, flooding. Uh, oh my God! And you know. It's something that we need to begin to be aware of. And the Bible talks about this in uh, Romans chapter 8. It says, and the entire creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And this is that this is that time, this is that season where people, the world is looking for it. The earth itself is groaning and, and experiencing all kinds of things like a woman in labor, as Jesus said, uh, you know, as a woman in labor experiencing those birth pangs. That's what's going on in the world today. And, it, you know, it's sad to see some people ignoring the signs. <laughs> and the more they ignore the signs, the worse, the uh, you know, the more clearer the signs become. So I, you know, I don't take anything lightly. You know, you have people leaving this world from young to old, babies to the elderly. You know, they're leaving this world so quick. And we don't need to be taking that for granted. Neither do we need to be ignoring it. We need to be about our father's business, and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. God is coming back. Christ is coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, and we need to be ready for it. Um, and again, you know, I'm not big on build, on Bible prophecy, but I, I don't have to be big to know that uh, those signs. Those are signs, and we need to we need to take more uh, attention to those, pay more attention to those signs. And um, you know, I, I say that scientists can track they can track hurricanes, they can track uh, tornadoes and all these other storms. But God is ultimately in control, and you know, when He says move, the earth will move, and we need to be aware. And speaking of hurricanes, there uh, now I, I I've been saying this. Throughout the time that I've been on air, uh, I, I'm so glad, especially 
since uh, and we haven't had any hurricanes in this area, in the Gulf area, all year. And they were predicting a very, very bad hurricane season, as bad as the one in 2005. We're going to talk about that one later. Um, but God has blessed us. We haven't had we. The most we had was a tropical storm that came in, gave us a little rain, got us a little wet. But as soon as it moved out, it got hot again. And God has blessed us. And there have been some hurricanes that have formed in the Atlantic, but they've never come to land. And I'm just grateful to God. God is in control. And I've said that before, and and I'll say it again. Uh, but uh, we had Hurricane Danielle last weekend. Uh, last weekend, it ended up kind of, you know, just getting out of the way, left a little rain, but that was about it. And now Hurricane Earl is in the Atlantic. Um, Earl is right now beating up the northeastern Caribbean uh, with some heavy rain and strong winds. It's already been raised to a Category 3 storm, which means it's a major storm. And they're predicting that it's possible it could become a Category 4 um by the late middle to late portions of the week, they're not sure about the forecast right now. The the, the path that the hurricane will take, uh, but they do know that its center is north of the Caribbean, and then they're saying it's likely to bend a little bit more north and probably come parallel to the eastern coast. So, uh, you over there, those of you who are listening on the east coast, you get get ready for a little rain. And those of us here in the Gulf Coast, we're just going to enjoy the heat a little while longer, and we're praying that we're praying that God will just give us some grace so we won't experience anything this way. So uh, you know, I'm being a little, a little, just a little dingy, selfish, however you want to call it. <laughs> we're going to take a little break, and we're going to, when we take a break, uh, two things I want to talk about that happened. I want to talk about. Uh, I, I want to send a show, of course, on Hurricane Katrina five years later. Uh, we're going to spend some some time on that. But I want to spend just a little time of the show talking about um, a rally that was held over the weekend hosted by uh, Fox News Network anchor or uh, show uh, Glenn Beck host. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because what I want to talk about is corporate responsibility. In the midst of social distress, uh, social and natural disasters, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about uh, Glenn Beck's uh, rally. And when we talk about the, when we finish wrapping that up, the next segment we'll talk about um, Hurricane Katrina five years later. I will be back right after this. Wake up all 
the teacher, time to teach a new way. Baby, then they listen to what you have to say. They're the ones who's coming up in the world of in their hands. When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. Martin Luther King Jr. made his famous I Have a Dream speech 
in the very same spot uh, on the, in front of the Lincoln Memorial. And ever since then, you know, they've uh, 47 years ago when he made that speech, they've been reverencing that day. And of course, uh, in 2008, our beloved President Barack Obama uh, made his historic uh, nomination acceptance speech in the same spot on the same day. <laughs> and you know, it, you know, he had Stevie Wonder playing in the background and all kinds of things going on. Yet, uh, Glenn Beck hosted the rally and kind of, you know, kind of was. Going and scorched and all that for it, and simply because of the fact that um, although he said it was non-political, he did have Sarah Palin who spoke and actually she she did more introductions than speaking. Uh, she was introducing uh, people, uh, but she al- he also had uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, niece Aveda, who was the son of his brother. Uh, she spoke and boy. I wish I had the sound bite to her speech because she called it. She didn't leave a stone unturned. She addressed what she wanted to address, and she did it with poise, and she did it with grace. She was under a a tremendous amount of stress uh, because while she was speaking at the rally, uh, there was some of her, her, or those you could say who supported her uncle and her father and all of them, uh, led by Al Sharpton doing another rally on the other side. Now, you know, I I, I love the, the the fact that we want to rever, you know, the um, the anniversary and other thing. But people forget, and I, matter of fact, I don't think even people know what really went on at that that rally in 1963 when uh it had about 250,000 people there. That was very large, but. Uh, here's just a few facts you may not know. One is that the uh, the rally was sponsored. <laughs> it was sponsored by a group. It, it was just, it was very diverse. The group was very di- diverse, but uh, it was sponsored by a very leftist group, and they were it was organized by people who were admitted socialists. Their admitted their agenda was to make America a socialist state like Russia, like all uh like China, uh not you know, communism. And there were there are people who claim that Martin Luther King was a secret communist. Um uh and, you know, and there there are facts to prove that, not disputing that because it's you know, there was on the record he attended some of those meetings so he may have adhered to some of the communism uh communist ideals. We don't know that. But they were extremely left and not only were they extremely left, but they were admitted socialists. And, you know, Glenn Beck, he's a libertarian, he's a Mormon, uh, but his whole purpose of the rally was to call Christians together, to come to the nation's capital, to pray for the nation, pray for the leaders, and to repent of the sins of the nation. Now, that's a, you know, he's not a preacher per se, but that's a dramatic call. And you got to understand, Glenn Beck is a entertainer first. You know, he's... Not quite a news journalist. Uh, he's not quite a uh, reporter, but he definitely is an entertainer. You know, he he has stand-up comedy. He, he, you know, if you ever watch his show, his uh, his show, you would definitely be entertained. You may have, you may even get some information in the process. Um, so, you know, I'm not promoting him as some social prophet who has led a mass rejuvenation and return to God. But what I am saying is that he has actually taken forth the action the action 
are getting those of us who are calling ourselves professed believers to look at the way our country is going and to see what can be done. And we realize the only way our country can change is two ways. One is prayer. Yes, we can pray. We can pray for the minds and hearts of the people to be changed and turned to God. But the other second way is by voting. <laughs> you can pray all day, and if you don't vote, nothing will change. And um, that was that was the thing. And you know, people were people were saying there was a political agenda. Of course, it's a political agenda. Uh, everything is politicized today. I mean, there's nothing. You know, you got politics in the church. You got politics in the school. You got politics in the house. So you know, you know, there's no way getting around it being some form of political event. However. For those, the thousands who did go and who were there, they had a prayer service prior to it where there were about 3,000 in attendance at the prayer meeting prior to the beginning of the rally. And, again, it was all, the whole event was centering on restoring the hearts and minds of the people, not to faith in the nation, but faith in God. And when you have people who are being restored to faith in God, then you will see a change in the nation. So, in a way, I do want to commend uh, Mr. Beck, Glenn Beck, for the effort. And, you know, um, he took a hit. Now, uh, President Obama was asked if he was concerned about uh, the rally, and he basically said, I'm ignoring it. And, well, he can do that. That's nothing wrong with that. I'm quite sure a lot of people ignored him, um, but there was something to have been said. And again, oh, there was one other point I wanted to make. Uh, you know, we hallowed this I Have a Dream speech that Dr. King made on the steps of the monument uh, on that day in 1963. The reality is he had made that speech several times before. That wasn't the first time that he had made speech. Um, it was the first time a lot of people, it was the first time he got media attention. He had made it in several churches, and it was kind of like we preachers, we have a sermon in our pocket all the time, you know. We always are prepared, <laughs> and those were, that was one of his sermons in the pocket, one of his speeches in the pocket. So although we rever it as being, you know, that was his breakout point, I guess you can say. That's, you know, he was the underground artist that finally got signed to the majors, you know. <laughs> If you want to look at it from that perspective, not dissing Dr. King, not dissing the message, but I think a lot of people are just ignorant about this thing, and they have put that in reverence and hallowed it, hallowed that event to nobody could touch it. However, when the president comes, you know, okay, we'll forget all of this and we'll add him to the legacy. I'm kind of getting off track, but that's exactly what some people have been doing. Uh, they've, you know... I've seen posters now, and I've been seeing it since uh, 2009, where you have Dr. King and Barack Obama on the same poster, and King had the dream, and Barack Obama fulfilling the dream, and the next thing you know, the dream is 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 done. Uh, it's a sad thing, but I'm not going to get into that. Listen, I'm about to take a break, and when we get to the break, we're going to begin to to walk down memory lane with um, Katrina. Uh, well, I say Katrina because Katrina received the most attention uh, from the 2005 hurricane season. But we're going to walk down memory lane from the 2005 hurricane season. And you hear some sound bites. I got some sound bites that I think are pretty interesting. And um, some from Pastor John Hagee, Al Gore, and of course, 
Kanye West. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from this great break, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to get to our discussion. And this break is dedicated. This uh, song I'm about to play is dedicated to a friend of mine who's going through so much. And I told already that this song is dedicated to us. So this is for you. We'll be right back. Oh, 
blessing to me. Welcome back to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Again, you're welcome to join with us in the broadcast. Call in to our uh, phone line. Uh, the lines are open. The chat room is open. Uh, the number, if you need to call in, is one nine one seven three eight eight four two nine three. Send me an email, ltneal at cox dot net. Join us in the chat room. We're live in the chat room. Um, you can. We'll be in the chat room even after the show is over with. So if you have any comments, uh, just come on in uh, and join with us and. And go by the page um, and leave some comments, whatever you like to do. Uh, we're going to take the rest of this time that we have and walk down memory lane with uh, the 2005 hurricane season. This is the fifth anniversary, not just for Katrina, but also for the entire hurricane season. Most people forget uh, that that 2005 hurricane season was the most active hurricane season in recorded history. Um we had uh, a record 28 tropical and subtropical storms and 15 hurricanes that were named. Now, of the of the 15 that were named, seven became, they were so serious. Uh, uh, five became Category 4, and we saw Wilma, that, you know, Wilma, Katrina, Rita, um, that came in uh, and just did some major damage. But uh, the most damage came uh, from Katrina because it damaged the entire Gulf, uh, a vast majority of the Gulf Coast. And it's what's making this really, really unique is because, you know, we're still dealing with the Gulf spill that happened, you know, oil, the oil spill that happened just several months and, you know, still going on, you know, it's just not getting media coverage because they moved on to the next thing. Uh, uh, but uh, it caused a lot of damage. And I, I never forget, when you, you know, you, you remember where you were when things happened? When the initial, eva- initial news came to evacuate, I, I didn't have to because I pastored a church in Arkansas, so I was on my way to Arkansas anyway. Uh, but a lot of the people, not just in my area, but around, the, you know, in New Orleans and all these areas, a lot of them did not evacuate because we used to staying hurricanes, you know, hurricanes just not even power might go out, might rain a little bit, but you know, hey, it ain't nothing. If a tree falls, we expect that. But the damage that that hurricane did, and what people don't realize is right after Katrina, just weeks later, we had Rita, and Rita ripped through southwestern Louisiana and western Texas, and it caused, I mean, millions, I mean, billions of dollars in damage on both, you know, but, you know, it didn't get as much coverage from Katrina because, of course, Katrina caused a breach in the levee system in New Orleans that flooded the Lower Ninth Ward. And we saw the thousands of people who were on rooftops. We saw the thousands of people who were at the Superdome and the convention center who had no means of evacuating. And, you know, they were just stranded. And then you hear you, uh, the, the t- death total is estimated to be about 1,800 people who died because of Katrina. And, um, you know, there, there's some things that were were said, that were done, that reflect. And I want to play some quotes real quick, uh, some quotes from uh, Pastor John Hagee and Al Gore that caught my attention uh, because of what uh, John Hagee said. And listen to this quote real quick. In the case of New Orleans, their plan to have 
that uh, homosexual rally was sin, but it never happened. Well, I'm not saying it's a result of sin. I'm saying it's a result of God's permissible will. Hurricane Katrina was a wake-up call for millions of people who had heard the predictions from the scientists that storms were going to get a lot stronger coming off the warmer ocean. All right, I, I guess that comment got caught, caught off, cut off. Uh, but let's, let's listen to what John Hagee said one more time. Uh, and let me put this in the context of what he said. Uh, he was doing an interview in light and just shortly after Hurricane Katrina, and what he said was Hurricane Katrina. In the case of New Orleans, happened to New Orleans because of sin. Basically, uh, and, and in this case, there, there was a, a, a homosexual rally that was planned, and John Hagee basically placed the blame. Uh, he placed gays as the blame for Katrina. And, of course, you know, people just blew up about that, you know. And he never really recanted it. He never really recanted it. I think he did make an apology. But, he, you know, he said the homosexual community in New Orleans brought that the, the Katrina disaster upon New Orleans. And, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the mistakes of the, the local politicians with Mayor Ray Nagin and, uh, at the time, uh, Governor Blanco, uh, I'm not talking about them, and of course President Bush and FEMA and all. Those. I'm not talking about them because there was failure on every part, from every level. But what I'm talking about is the incendiary remarks. There were a lot, a lot of preachers were saying, and, you know, New Orleans is always associated with debauchery, you know, Roman, Roman vice and evil because of Mardi Gras and. And I, I always say this, you know, you know, those of us who are in the area, we realize Mardi Gras festivities occur across the state. We have parades everywhere, but folk don't know that. You know, they just associate with New Orleans. They come, they bring their breast, and they get drunk. They go on Bourbon Street and just get crazy, and they have no idea about the reality of the of the um, <laughs> the the celebration to begin with. You know, dozens of parades that go on, but they they contribute to this. The barkerous view of New Orleans, and for Pastor Hagee to say that sin caused the hurricane, you know, of course it caused the uproar. And yes, the the parade never happened, the rally never happened, but uh, it was not because of sin. And then you have um, uh, Al Gore's comments, and Al Gore's comments basically said that the warning signs were there. You know, he goes back to the global warming, the El Nino, and all those things. And the, and then he wants to say that the scientists and the people ignored the warning signs. Well, it's not that we ignored or those people ignored what the warning signs. You just have to live in an area where you have hurricanes. We get them all the time. You don't run, you know. You just board up your windows and you just ride it out. You know, like right now I have my hurricane kit ready just in case. You know, got the batteries, got the milk, I mean, got the water. We have all the you know, the stuff that we're supposed to have, you know. And I never forget in 2008 um, when Hurricane Gustav came, and that was the first time that uh, I really just evacuated, evacuated. Um, and the traffic was bad and all of that stuff we had to do to get out of there. I said all that because, uh, it was, yes, they were warned, and yes, people were encouraged to get out. Matter of fact, you know, uh, when Mayor Nagin made the announcement for everyone to evacuate, people were like, 
It's just another hurricane. But it became one of the strongest hurricanes of that season. And then we, you know, like I said, we don't talk about, we do not talk about um, Hurricane Rita that happened right after that. And so many churches are still, uh, still, still trying to rebuild. I'm talking about churches because that was devastating. I, I think about Paul Morton's church, Greater St. Stephen. Now, the uptown location was fair because right after, you know, it suffered some water damage, but, you know, it receded. But the east, uh, eastern location was just totally destroyed, you know, uh, pretty much destroyed, as was many. And, I, and when I made my rounds after uh, about a month afterwards, I rode down, I rode down in, through Mid-City and I rode uh, through uh, Gentilly and Chef Major. And I just looked at the devastation. And I was like, oh, my God, this was, it was terrible, you know. It was like a nuclear bomb had gone off or something. And then, uh, you know, you go across, once you went on to the West Bank, you saw how normal life appeared, you know, in in Jefferson Parish. People still had electricity and things of nature when the storm hit. The power went out for a little bit, but it came back on. And, And, you know, people didn't suffer as much. But those thousands of people who were left to die, those thousands of people who were left to fend for themselves. And then in the midst of that, you had social unrest. You had people looting. You had you had people killing. You had cops killing people, innocent people. Uh, a teenager was killed, and a, 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 a mentally retarded man was, was killed by police. And, and, you know, of course, we just saw recently where they were charged and, and or where they were, you know, where the verdict came in for them. But it's just the fact that all kind of social unrest occurred because of it. And lead me to this. I'm going to play this quote by Kanye West, not the one that says George Bush hates <laughs> black people. <laughs> Boy, that got me. But uh, listen to this uh, this Kanye quote, and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish the discussion on uh, what I want to call corporate responsibility and the, and the church's role in um, – in preventing such uh, injustice and social unrest before, during, and after a natural disaster. Listen to Kanye West. I hate the way they portray us in the media. If you see a black family, it says they're looting. If you see a white family, it says they're looking for food. And uh, the funny thing about this is that he said this on a live special that was supposed to be raising money for and he was with um uh what's the guy's name uh michael myers <laughs> and michael myers was just standing there looking like oh my goodness did he just say that <laughs> kanye's mouth i tell you but it was true it was it was it wasn't a bad depiction of what he was actually saying was true because there you know there was no race difference in what was happening but it was the uh the way it was portrayed at the media, there was a great deal of media bias that uh, portrayed uh, African Americans in a very different light. And before, before you know, I'm not condemning the church because a vast majority of the church members were either a part of the crowd that was in distress at the Superdome, at the convention center, uh, at various uh, missions around the city, uh, around the parish, or the same. Uh, Throughout St. Bernard, St. Tammany, uh, and other, uh, other parishes where there was still uh, some 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 sense of, of of structure, 
and, you know, these people were trying to get out, you know, if those who were evacuated, they were going as far as Atlanta, up north to as far as Monroe, Bastrop, Arkansas, uh, far west as Texas, you know, Houston, of course, uh, those who couldn't, they were, bust, they were bused to Houston, and then there were those who bused, you know, as far as Dallas, and, and, and those people who got out, of course, you know, when crime, the crime rates got high in those cities, post-Katrina, they blamed it on those Katrina evacuees, you know, <laughs> refugees, evacuees, whatever you call them. Yeah. But uh, I, I always wondered, why isn't the church taking more of a proactive role in preventing such things, uh, unrest, civil unrest in the midst of uh, uh, natural disasters or disasters of any kind? I believe the church should be proactive. I don't have any scriptures right off top that says that that the church should do that, but I mean, if we are a body of believers and we are given to social peace, social justice, then it should be our responsibility to empower people to know how they ought to behave. And well, I guess your, your scripture sure says, "Don't let your evil be good; your good be evil spoken of." I guess that could apply. Maybe you know. Uh, I may be misinterpreting and misapplying that scripture, and <laughs> some people listen to me like, "Oh my God, did he just say that?" Yeah, uh, but there, there, I believe there should be a role in the church where we, especially here in our area, where we have hurricanes that that can't get to this that type of magnitude, but in other areas, uh, you know, high crime rate areas, uh, uh, tornado areas, you know. Where there's high rates of tornadic activity, I think the church should have a more proactive role in doing so. I'm gonna play one more clip, and this is a clip from uh, a newscast um, that was uh, that was broadcast on uh, Friday, prior to the official anniversaries. Uh, no, not on Friday, on Saturday, prior to all the official uh, memorial services that occurred yesterday, and. The interesting thing about this clip is that it's addressing the church, uh, a church mission to reach out to the homeless that are still in, um, that are still in uh, New Orleans, even after the storm. Uh, take a listen to this. The U.S. is marking five years since the devastating Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast. Memorial services will be held on Sunday to remember the 1,300 people killed. New Orleans took the most severe blow as its levee system catastrophically failed, flooding 80% of the city. And despite reconstruction efforts, the number of homeless is on the rise. Bria Schroeder reports. New Orleans, Louisiana, the city of music. On every corner, a different tune. A lot of people love New Orleans. They want to leave, especially those that were born and raised. And they want to leave New Orleans for, for anything. In the French Quarter on Bourbon Street, tourists mingle with the musicians. This part has come back pretty much, but I don't know about the Ninth Ward and the Lower Ninth. And if you travel down to the Lower Ninth Ward, you'll hear another kind of sound. The sound of rebuilding. Five years after Hurricane Katrina, full streets in the Lower Ninth, the ward most devastated by Katrina, stand silent. Homes still abandoned, but others, like this one, are coming back. 
still got, like, you miss one house, got another house empty. Miss one, got another one empty. And despite all the empty homes, New Orleans streets are filled with those who don't have one. I started being homeless in New Orleans about three years ago. Inside this mission, Come on, stand with me. Let's worship the Lord. yet another kind of New Orleans song is being sung. By some of the 19,000 people in the city who are homeless. We heard about the Katrina and all the other stuff that was going on and thought, well, maybe we could come down and get jobs pretty easy. You know, there'd be work to be available. But there wasn't. Loretta Smith is one of the many who came to New Orleans after Katrina looking for work, but instead ended up on the streets. Is once you get to that point, you have no idea how you're coming out of it. People like her added to the city's overwhelming number of residents who ended up homeless in the aftermath of the storm. Carol Self lost everything in Katrina. She left the city temporarily, came back a few months later, and has been homeless ever since. All I want to do is come home. You know, and, and my son's like, Mom, that's the worst thing you do. There's nothing down there now, and your family's not there. It's, it's what I know. It's home. You know, it, it, that sounds stupid, but it's, it, you know, it's... Carol's story is not unique. New Orleans now has one of the highest percentages of homeless people in America. After Katrina, the city of New Orleans got federal money to get people off the streets and put them in housing for three months. The problem was that without a job, the people couldn't afford to keep the places, and many ended up back on the streets again. And many believe that the city that they love and refuse to leave is not doing much to help them get back on their feet. They're forgetting that minor little piece that's in the middle. From homelessness to house, you better find a job somewhere in there. But even in the middle of despair, they find some time to join together in worship and in song. It gets harder and harder every day. You, you kind of see your dreams slipping away a little bit. Staying true to their city of music while continuing to brave the storm. Priya Shreether, RT, New Orleans, Louisiana. All right, that was just a, a new cat again, a newscast that reflected uh, both what's going on now since Katrina, and how some churches are being used to uh, help New Orleans will back return back. We still have in Amy Church. We still have several churches that are being rebuilt. Uh, uh, yesterday, Second Baptist Church, one of the historic churches in New Orleans, had their first service in a renovated church. Uh, the church needs to be more proactive in ministering not just to the material needs of the people but to the uh, responsible needs of the people. In other words, how can they teach their, their, their laity, how can they teach their parish members to be more corporately responsible in the midst of a natural disaster? How can they be prepared? We have a disaster preparedness arm of the AME Church, and I'm on one of the teams. And you know, my church is registered and listed as a um, one of the relief centers for the natural disaster should one happen. Um, but we, you know, we need to be more proactive. I'm, I'm glad that our church is doing so. We're being more pro- we're being proactive. We're ready. We have what is necessary. You know, we have a warehouse that has the needs ready, but. Again, we're trying to be more proactive in teaching responsible behavior before the storm, 
during the storm and after the storm because, the, it, you know, the damage, a lot of the damage really happened after the storm, you know, the initial winds and all that stuff, all that. That did, that, that yeah, that knocked trees down, knocked power out and tore some things up. But the most came when people began to loot and to begin to kill and there was disruptive behavior after the storm. So we need to be able to be proactive and tell people, okay, this is the kind of behavior that godly folk just don't do. You know, some things, we, you know, we understand we lost a lot of stuff, but we don't go get mad and try to get a TV that we can't use or watch because there's no electricity anyway. We don't go try, get, try to steal a car that we can't drive because, it's, you know, it's 80% flooded, you know, things of that nature. Or we don't, you know, we don't go and beat up and kill somebody because now nobody, you know, the police doing everything else so we can get away with murder or we can get away with robbery. We can. We need to begin to teach people how to be proactive against such things so there won't be massive, uh, you know, there were so many people who were arrested during Katrina and after Katrina because of petty crimes that they, you know, could have been, um, could have been removed, could have been, not have been committed. And I just think I, I just think that's one of the things that we need to begin to do and engage the community as pastors and as the church to engage the community in doing so. Um, I believe once we begin to take that into consideration, when we see that, okay, the church is the lighthouse, that the community looks to the church for all type of social justice, and social responsibility. And as a corporate body, the church can get together and say, okay, we're going to put forth these efforts to be preventative, proactive, not re, not uh, reactionary. We're going to make sure that when such a thing happens, if another storm as Katrina happens, this is what we have prepared. This is how we're going to go forth. This is how we're going to assist the community. This is how we're going to assist the, uh, the police. This is how we're going to make sure that uh, – the constituents, the councilmen, and, and, you know, everyone else is working together to disrupt the chaos that may try to happen after a storm. And I believe when we do that, what what will happen is we will really see a community that's not divided, but we will see a community that is empowered and liberated. Because when you have that, when you have people working together to be proactive and preventative instead of reactionary, there is no way that the blame game can get played. There's there's no one you can blame, you know. Because if it's functioning properly, if people are one accord and they're doing, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, then the chain won't be broken, <laughs> the circle won't be broken. The things that will need to happen will happen. So, you know, the blame game only works when it's reactionary, after the fact, post, you know, post-trauma. That's when the blame game works. But even you, when you are prepared and ready, you're doing all this, then um, you're going to realize that it's pro- very proactive. Uh, so I'm about to close out this show, and I want to close it out on a good note. New Orleans is back on the map, and you still need to come. I know people are still talking about the oil crisis and the seafood and all this other stuff, but, baby, we are still here. New Orleans is still there. The Gulf Coast is still there. And one of the things about New Orleans that you got to love is Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras. And one of the things about Mardi Gras you got to love is the second line. 
So I'm going to close out my show today with the Rebirth Brass Band, one of my favorite brass bands in all New Orleans. I love the Dirty Dozen. I love all of them uptown. <laughs> I love them all in the Trine. I, hey, I love all y'all, but Re- Rebirth, Rebirth, they the best to me. <laughs> and I want to close it out with Rebirth. I'm going to try to get two in. I want to do Rebirth playing the second line, and if I can't get to that, I'm just going to go ahead and do Rebirth, do what you want to. So we're going to close out. You guys, I thank you for joining in the show. I appreciate everything that you've done for us. Uh, keep us in your prayers. And come on down and visit us down here. Before, you know, we're doing good. We're coming back. We're going to come on. What you want?